Welcome to Frequent Flyer here, Friday, October 22nd, 2021, and uh, the Flyer season well underway to much better results than <laughs> I guess we were all expecting. Uh, I believe this is the first time we are meeting here uh, since the season began, so Mike and Manny will have their opportunity to provide their insight in the early bits of the season here. And we'll introduce them properly. Manny, how are you doing tonight? Hey, everybody. How are you? I'm feeling great. I can tell. Five points out of six. This is great. 2-0-1. Way better start uh, than I thought they would get to, as you alluded to. And uh, although I think the real test is going to be tomorrow night against the Panthers. But let's let, let's just enjoy for right now let's just celebrate for right now forget all those negative nancies that are still on twitter god who knew negative negativity on twitter i don't know if you've heard but the panthers are winning the cup this year it's a good bet yeah um and uh, as always mike Asito is back as well mike how are you doing uh fantastic gentlemen great to be with you again uh i'm thinking positivity tenacity motivation execution those are my words of the day, and that's what the Flyers are doing. So I'm a pretty happy camper, but I'm sure we will find some points of scrutiny this evening. And uh, 2-0-1, they beat the Bruins on Wednesday, 6-3, in a very uh, worthwhile effort there. They were outplayed, but they had their chances and took them offensively. Uh, they destroyed the Kraken, Dave Haxtell's Kraken, uh, already, uh, 6-1 <laughs> in that game. And I already enjoy the takes coming out of Seattle. I've seen quite a few different uh, websites go like, God, this Dave Haxtell guy, he sucks. I'm like, yeah, that's about right. I feel like I remember saying that for the past, you know, five years. Uh, and then they, they lost uh, in a shootout to the Canucks uh, in that game. So, you know, it was what it was. Uh, not, not the best showing in that one. But uh, overall... I guess we'll start with you, Manny. What were your impressions of the season so far? Excited to get the season underway. Um, I've actually watched uh, all three games so far. God bless the internet, because Rogers are a bunch of crooks. But anyways, that, that's neither here nor there. Um, the Vancouver game, you know what? Amazing first period. Like, they came out gangbusters and just dominated the Canucks. But they were a little unfortunate to only be up one after the first period and the second period was just, it, it felt like a return to the, you know, yesterday days of yesteryear where the flyers basically can't string, you know, two periods together. And the Canucks obviously got some uh, lucky bounces. Uh, Hart probably had at least one, maybe two that he probably wanted back. Um, and of course, everybody on Twitter's melting down. And we even saw some people say that Carter Hart should be put on waivers, oh, God. which is laughable. Um, and then, you know, to their credit, things that they didn't do in years past is they didn't just fold, uh, you know, like a, you know, like a cheap suit. They basically came out in the third period, won that period, got some bounces of their own, worked their tail off, and ended up, you know, losing the game in overtime. But they got a valuable point out of that. And that was really the positive for me is, is getting that one point. It's one point in a very competitive Metro division. Every point is going to count. And if you can snag a point here, a point there instead of zero for a loss, that's a huge win in my book. So I thought that that, that first game was a bit uh, helter skelter, but overall I, I took more positives out of it than negative. Um, the Kraken game was amazing. And uh, I, you've alluded to it on uh, past shows. I haven't really had that much fun watching the Flyers play in, in a while. Um, and it was really good to see. And even though the Bruins outplayed the Flyers in stretches, um, 
I still like the, their game. They capitalized on their opportunities and they generally kept the Bruins chances, you know, outside of the, you know, danger area. And, you know, it was just a question of the Flyers executed and the Bruins didn't. And you know what? Full marks, five points out of a possible six. The pendulum will swing the other way. I mean, we're not going to be drinking the Kool-Aid here um, the whole season. It's going to turn, but I have a, a good positive feeling about this team. It's a really good start. Yeah, I I agree with those points, Manny, and things that, you know, overall as to what I've seen so far, there's two main themes that have stuck out to me. It's only three games, obviously, but this team is playing really, really hard. We have not seen a Flyers team kind of come out like this and three games could hardly be considered consistent, but it is three games and it's nice to see this team kind of I guess, turn over a new leaf and everybody on the team is in unison. Everybody is working their ass off. And that's, that's great to see. And secondly, seeing them score a shit ton of goals is just fantastic. I mean, this team has scored what 12 and four, 16 goals in three games. I mean, I think that might lead the league through three games. Uh, that is just a phenomenal number. And when you do those things, you play really, really hard and you score a lot, even if you're not winning or there's other problems with your game, those two things alone are going to draw a lot of eyeballs and it's going to make it fun to watch. That's really what we've seen so far here. Um, one of the things that also surprised me through the first three games that we talked about a few weeks ago before the season started was the offense is pretty good. They're actually executing and capitalizing. Like I mentioned, they're scoring a shit ton of goals. And that's something I didn't think would really happen. But, you know, now, I mean, Seattle is is hardly an NHL team. In fact, I would classify them as probably closer to an AHL team. Um, and it's... Um, you know, you can only take so much out of that. But at the same time, you know, the Flyers got to put teams like that away. That's what good teams do. That's what they've done. Um, they've been really opportunistic. And what's funny, too, is this team is actually kind of reminding me of the Elaine Vigneault teams from when he was with the New York Rangers, where they'd be very opportunistic. They they play fairly conservative defensively, wouldn't give up a lot. Obviously, they had Lundqvist, but the Flyers are kind of playing that. But when they do get those opportunities off the rush, they're putting the puck in the back of the net. And uh, that's kind of the parallel that I'm seeing so far. And that can get you pretty far. You know, he's taken those teams, those teams to the cup, you know, very deep in, in cup finals with that style of play. So I'm pretty happy with that so far. And uh, that's been a surprise. We'll just see if they can keep it going. The two things that we haven't seen a lot of are hot starts to the season and a lot of goal scoring. I mean, when was the last time? Probably Peter Laviolette days since we saw that kind of stuff. You know, it's been a, a real long time. And, uh, you know, the, the standings right now are not great simply because the Flyers have only played three games. Everybody else has played four or five in the Metro. So they're well on the outside looking in. But 2-0-1 right now, five points, three games, all you can all you can ask for. And, you know, you're looking at a lot of these guys at uh, you know, Farabee is six points. Broussard has five. Yandel has five. Atkinson with four. Konechny with four. Ellis with four. Couturier with four. Like, there's, everyone is producing offense. And, and as we've alluded to on these past few shows, it's the new guys that are carrying the workload here. Broussard, Yandel, Atkinson, Ellis. Like, they are the ones that have been the lifeblood of this new-look team, which is exactly what you wanted to see when you brought them in the offseason. You know, and the bounce-back seasons from Travis Konechny so far, and JVR's having a quietly good start to the season as well, not necessarily producing points, but he's doing his job. And it's just everybody's kind of on the same page for right now. And that's something that, again, over the last little while... One player would get hot, but the rest of the team would be cold. And then the other team would get hot, and everyone would get cold. And just it, the stars didn't align very often. But right now, everything's firing all cylinders. And we're seeing how good this team can be when everything is on the same page. Yeah, I'm glad, actually, a lot of what you said totally rings true. And and I like what Mike said about uh, the impact of Elaine Vigneault and how this looks like uh, Elaine Vigneault's, you know, more traditional style of, of team and, and coaching. This, when you said that, I was thinking about the Flyers team when Vigneault started here. You know, everybody always kind of gave him crap for, you know, the lines and who's in the lineup and who's not in the lineup. And, oh, my God, you're not starting Carter Hart. Why are you starting Brian Elliott against this team? And we have already seen that this year. And, 
you know what? Martin Jones played well. I mean, Mm -hmm. he did everything that he needed to do in that game against the Bruins. Certainly didn't look out of place. And they picked up the two points, which is the most important thing that counts. And listen, I was one of the the people, uh, you know, two years ago. Um, we're basically, you know, I can't believe they're not starting Hart here. I you know why are they starting Elliot against this team? And you know what? He sort of had his finger on the pulse of the team where, you know, nine times out of 10, his goalie, you know, configuration worked and it worked the exact way that he kind of wanted it to. Um, Hart's going to get a good test tomorrow night against the Panthers, but you know what? So far, the one little, you know, goalie, you know, controversy if you want to call it in in flyers fandom starting martin jones looked like you know what totally the right move against the bruins i think starting jones was to help jones more than it was to relieve Hart. i think martinez pointed it out like he had not played a game in like two and a half weeks at that point and it would have been another week till thursday next week when they had the back-to-back when he would have got one so rather than let him sit on the bench for like three weeks and get rusty they threw him in against boston let Hart handle florida and uh, edmonton and then give uh was that Calgary the next one on the back-to-back? Vancouver, whichever one it is, you know, give that one to Jones. So it, it made sense. At first it was kind of like, really? You're going to pull Hart after he's, you know, finally kind of getting his shit together and destroys confidence. But when you put it that way, that it was more to help Jones than it was to condemn Hart, it makes a lot more sense. I would agree that Jones played fairly well against Boston. It, it, it was good to get him some time, too. The one thing that does come to mind that I didn't love about his game was – uh on the Taylor Hall uh, breakaway, um, I don't think he moved the entire time no. until the puck had bounced out of the net after it went by him. Uh, it was, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to give a guy like Taylor, like Taylor Hall, a breakaway with no defense, really within probably thirty feet of him. But at the same time, it would have been nice to see Jones play that a little bit better. Maybe come out, you know, try to challenge him a little bit, take away some of some of the net. But he just stood there, and I don't think moved at all. So that was one thing where I was like, ah, you know what, you know, maybe you got to practice that a little bit more. I don't know if he was frozen or just wasn't expecting it or what. Um, but you know, I'd like to see a little bit more effort, you know, so to speak, on uh, on that type of goal. But overall, at the end of the day. Giving up only what was it a three goals against Boston, who who have it's a pretty good offense. Um, I'll take that. I I thought that was decent. So hopefully he continues that sort of play, and um, we will see. Important thing in that that Bruins game as well is the Flyers did a really good job in not letting Martin Jones face anything that was overly difficult. You know, he had what thirty seven saves in that game or something, and it was like, what? Yeah. How did he? It didn't, it didn't feel like it was anything close to that because you weren't on the edge of your seat expecting him to fail all night long. Because the Flyers just didn't really give up any prime opportunities, with, uh, with the exception of the uh, uh, Taylor Hall turnover and breakaway there. But uh, yeah, he was stoned on that one, <laughs> perfectly still, didn't move, and I was like, come on! But yeah, yeah, we could have done the same thing. I mean, yeah. It was like a freaking pylon. Like, come on, like, at least come out and try to poke check him. It's just something <laughs> so it's too early to call him mj <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> okay we'll, we'll wait on that one game or two yeah. yeah yeah but i do think it'll be interesting like you had mentioned manny c hart against um florida coming up here that's going to be a very very difficult challenge i've been watching a couple of their games i think they're four and zero at this point yep. and they've beat some really good teams so far including tampa and colorado hasn't started off that well but uh they look like a fucking unit at this point guys yep they uh i mean they're on paper they're friggin deep and it was just a matter of kind of getting their goaltending to align you know bobrovsky pulling his head out of his ass and and if they can do that they got something they got something good down there Mainly because they have Sam Reinhardt. I'm still salty those fuckers didn't bring him to Philadelphia. But, uh, yeah, they look real good on paper. And this one's going to be a test. This, <laughs> this is not giving an easy game. And uh, we shall see. Well, I think they call it uh, Sam's Club with um, Sam Bennett and Sam Reinhardt down there. They've both been tearing it up. Could have called <laughs> Sam Ran and Sam Reinhardt. God damn it! <laughs> I want Sam's Club. I want Sam's Club. <laughs> the the other thing that uh, is going to make tomorrow's uh, match uh, really intriguing to watch is apparently it looks like Ryan Ellis might not be able to go. Yep. Um, so that throws uh, a bit of a wrench in uh, in Elaine Vigneault's uh, lineup. 
and I think Atkinson's kind of, uh, you know, beat up. He fell into the boards after his goal and he's just a little sore. So, I mean, the injury bug just keeps hitting this team. Like it's just, you can't get a little bit of a break, but um, you know what? I'd, I'd rather these things happen now when, with the Flyers, you know, 2 and one than when they're in the middle of a skid. Uh, you know, where they've lost, you know, three or four. And then, you know, these things just pile on a little bit of adversity is kind of good. And so far, anyways, it looks like the guys have have really bought in and are working with each other. Um, I I wanted to bring up a tweet that I saw. I, I forget his name. But he works for CSN. I get into arguments with him quite often. Uh, I believe his name is Eric. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Now, decent this fella. Eric. Yeah, sometimes I, I agree with him, and sometimes I sit there and I, I pull my hair out. But he basically said something to the effect of, um, I don't know why people are surprised about Travis Konechny. And it's, you know, this is who he's always been. And it's like, <laughs> but not really. He has he heard what not, he said? Yeah. yeah, it's like, I think it's Eric Reese or Eric Fries, uh from uh, CSN Philly. Okay. Um, and I'm like, listen, it, it, he was good a couple of years ago, sure. But you can't deny that the Travis Konechny this year, so far in three games, for me, looks completely different from the Travis Konechny of last year. That's I, La- I, I think O'Connor said something similar. Where he was like, oh, well, everybody was talking about his bad preseason. I'm like, bad preseason? Do we not remember the last year and a half? When the, you know, the 2021 season when he didn't do fucking anything. And then the 2020 playoffs where he was shit. <laughs> We're yeah. just going to pretend that didn't happen. <sighs> I'm pretty sure that I, I pulled up the tweet. Here's the yeah. tweet. It, it yeah, says uh, it's Eric Reese from uh, PSN. He sucks. So he dumb. Yeah. So dumb he, motherfucker. he said, uh, Travis Konechny isn't back to his old self. Truth is he never lost his touch. Oh, fuck oh. off. He just focused on adding a 200 foot game. Uh, this That's is bullshit too. Oh, like, <sighs> listen, if you want to love Travis Konechny, I, I get it. He's got his fans out there. Last You're going to make Travis me not Konechny like him. Was not good, Manny. I'm trying to be nice about Travis Konechny. I said nice things about him on the Anthony show. And now I'm going to say mean things about him again. Cause these assholes are coming back out of the woodwork. I know, and he's been good this year. He's been playing with a smile on his face. He's got the like, TK swagger back. Yeah, he's just—he's working hard. I don't know where where people come up with that stuff because I'm pretty sure that Chuck Fletcher, who last time I checked has been the general manager here the past couple of years, actually said something about this publicly that TK was on the trade block and that they specifically spoke with him in the offseason about how his game had been slipping and they're expecting him to amp it up significantly this year. And that's that's on the record from the GM's yeah. mouth. Yep. So I'm pretty sure that Chuck Fletcher knows what he's talking about in terms of player evaluation, which is basically what we saw. I'm not sure that Eric, uh, you know, his opinion is is superseding the general manager of the team who admitted this during a press conference. Uh, so, yeah, I think that comment is just largely out of whack. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to anger on this show, but here we are. Oh, we're going to get more angry, Dan. <laughs> Speaking of anger. <laughs> Shall we touch upon the Travis Sanheim slash Ristolainen uh, pair duo, which apparently is still a thing with Ellis on the shelf. Uh, it sounds like Braun is going to play with Provorov, Ellis and Sanheim, and then Sealer Yandel, which seems like a horrible idea. Wouldn't you want to put Ristolainen with Provorov and then put Braun with Sanheim? That seems like yeah. the better thing there, where Braun can handle Travis Sanheim, and then Ristolainen has a responsible partner in Provorov. That seems like the smarter way to go about this, but, uh, you know, Braun do- is familiar with Provorov. They played together last year, so in that sense, it does make sense, but I don't know. I feel like any chance you get to break up the Risto-Sanheim pair may be the best way to roll here. Yeah, I would totally think that what you just said makes sense. So so they're going to be putting Provorov with Braun. See, I don't want any part of that because that was way too much yeah. of a fixture last year. And I want to get away from that as much as possible. And it, I'm not blaming Justin Braun at all, um, or Provorov for that matter. Um, but at the same time, there was some talk going into the season that, like Ant Filippo said, you know, 
the Sanheim Risto thing might not really be a thing. They might want to put Ristolainen with Provorov and see how that goes. And especially a game like tomorrow against the Panthers, where you're decimated with injuries, there's a whole bunch of question marks. If guys play, they're not going to be 100%. You're playing a really hot team right now. This might be the perfect time to actually test that pair out and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Rather than just, uh, I mean, listen, I'm glad that they broke the pair up. Although I do think that going forward, I think you need to give these guys a chance to try to build some chemistry together. And, you know, until they actually do start costing the team some points, I think you got to try to keep Ellis and Provorov together for the time being. And so far, Yandel has been uh, a very pleasant uh, surprise. I didn't think he was going to be bad by any means, but I didn't think he would be this good. And, uh, you know, that's more of a credit to him and his attitude coming in here. I mean, I know that people have been crowing about uh, Shane Gostas Bears got four assists already. Woohoo in Arizona. Um, you know, Keith Yandel has, you know, <laughs> got five assists in less games. And we're um, winning. And yeah. <laughs> and, and we're winning. And he's making less money. So, like, that's a win, 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 win for my books. Yeah. And one more quick point on the Florida game coming up. One thing that I think might help the Flyers here is, even though Ellis might be out, like you mentioned, having a guy like Sealer in could be a really good thing because he's so disruptive with the opposition. So you want to get Florida off of their game and bringing in like a wild animal like a Nick Sealer is a good idea. So that might be something to pay attention for on Saturday night uh, that could help the Flyers, even though you obviously want to have Ryan Ellis in at all times. But Getting back to the Sandheim Ristolainen thing, I guess, is, you know, I am I'm not really down on them as a pair at all yet. Uh, I think that three games is really not enough of a sample size to get an understanding as to how they're going to operate together. I'd probably give this at least, I don't know, maybe like 25 games or something. One to, game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, so yeah the first had, two games. Yeah, sure, that's mm. one game. Yeah, that's right. So, so that, that, that that's one fucking game. <laughs> so yeah, so let's wait another twenty-four games or so before I'm really going to get you know on them. And at the end of the day, I didn't think that their play against Boston was like that egregiously horrible. That it is totally dispositive evidence of showing exactly who these guys are. You know, if I were to assign more blame to anyone, it would go to Travis Sanheim. And here's why is because when I watch Travis Sanheim play, he seems to be the catalyst for a lot of these problems going on. And it's like, well, Sanheim had made a bad icing. So it resulted in the fourth line staying out and then, you know, a goal ensuing there. Sanheim made a terrible play along the boards, exposing Ristolainen in a bad spot. It's a chain reaction off of that. So he seems to be the first step, the catalyst in this stuff happening. So that's my problem. It's like, oh, well, then the Ristolainen wasn't there to back him up properly. It's like, well, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't anticipating his defensive partner fucking up so bad. So what do you want, you know, what do you want him to do? So that's kind of where I'm at with them at this, at this point. You know, I think that we need to give him some more time. And um, I, I like what both of them bring to the table, but I do think, Sandheim's lack of physicality, as we have mentioned many times, is just going to be a problem for a top four defenseman on any team. The, the I, I do agree that I think Sandheim has initiated pretty much everything. Go back to the preseason against Boston when everybody, you know, when Ristolainen was out of place in that one. Well, how did that play start? It's because Sandheim got out muscled and turned the puck over, to, you know, in his own zone, and Ristolainen was out of place because of it. Like. The blame game is the frustrating part with all of this because it's clearly the problem is it's not like one of them is a great defenseman and then the other one is act actively fucking everything up. They're both fucking things up, which is the problem here, right? And and because the battle lines are drawn with Sandheim being the analytics darling and Ristolainen being the non-analytics darling, you're going to you know, forced to blame whoever you want. You know, if Ristolainen fucks up, then you're going to be able to, oh my God, look at Ristolainen. If Sandheim fucks up, then it's Sand- like, it's just, it's it was so frustrating through one game on the old uh, Twitter machine there when they were not at their best. And 
we're, we can see. We can give them more time. I would assume they're going to be the natural pair for a little while. But in Ellis's absence, like Manny said, it feels like a good time to try something a little different. Uh, you know, now that you have the, the natural opportunity to do so. But um, I don't know. We shall see. I guess if they come out of the gate all sloppy against Florida, they may have to change it up on the fly. But luckily, they don't play again until Wednesday after uh, after tomorrow. So they have a couple of games there. Hopefully Ellis is good to go um, by the back-to-back. And you know, this is a short-lived issue. But, you know, the, the, the Sanheim-Risto thing is going to be one of those things that we're going to unfortunately have to hear and talk about most of the season. And it's going to be, uh, you know, whatever. A whole lot of fun, I guess. <laughs> I, I heard you talking about this with uh, Anthony on, uh, on Brotherly Pod uh, when you had the St. Louis uh, reporter yeah. on. And the one thing that came into my head, you said, you know, Team Sanheim and Team Risto. And I went, oh, my God, what is this fucking Twilight? Like with Team <laughs> Jacob and what was the other guy? I didn't even watch the movie uh, or, or read the know. books. But that's what it felt felt like. And I was like, damn, like Flyers Twitter is like that. It's a, there's the guys, there's the people that are Team Risto. And then there's the people that are just Travis Sanheim is the greatest. And it's like, oh, my God, like, they, like we're, we're our own worst enemy here. Like I had someone asked me, you know, what did you think about Risto's uh, play against Boston? And listen, it was a mixed bag. He screwed up on a line change. He, you know, totally didn't cover uh, Brad Marchand. He didn't close him down enough, but that's, it is what it is. It's Brad Marchand. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's not like it's some, you know, third liner guy. Um, at the same time, delivered a huge hit change the momentum uh in that in that game against boston and then you look at sandheim and it's the same thing yeah active stick and he broke up uh you know some plays in the neutral zone and then you know what took a really bad unforced icing and it led to a face-off which the bruins won and put in the back of the net so it is what it is like this is gonna happen and if we're gonna if both of these players are gonna live under this microscope like just stop because like everybody's going to have a heart attack and not enjoy the fact that this team is two Oh and one five points out of six. That's the most important thing. Playoffs get in. That's it. I don't care who's playing better. I don't care who's playing worse. As long as somebody isn't detrimentally screwing up things for this team, <laughs> then it's not really an issue. And this is just a Twitter beef that just has is, has no end in sight, unfortunately. You want to talk about yeah. guys that are actively screwing everything up? How about Nicholas Abe-Kubel? This, this yeah. fucker. God. <laughs> Get him off my hockey team. Where's this Patrick Brown fellow? Oh man, he's had some he's had some gaffes so far. I think his his attention to detail has been very problematic so far. And I know that you know this has been discussed a bit. Um, you know, his he's making just some bad penalties. Or at least he was, you know, in the past. And whether it's icings or um, offside, there was a play against Boston that really really annoyed me. And I don't know if you guys remember, I think it was in the second period. The Flyers were just hemming Boston in their own zone. They didn't score yet, but Boston couldn't get out for a line change. They were totally gassed. And the Flyers were cycling new players in and out of the bench. Farabee was on the ice for like three minutes straight or something. And it was just a matter of time before the Flyers were going to score. They were getting really great chances. And all of a sudden, Nicholas Abe-Kubel comes out on the ice. Immediately, the puck comes out to him along the blue line. And he unnecessarily takes the puck and moves it out of the zone. And I'm like, dude... What are you doing in this situation? You didn't need to do that. If anything, just circle it back around the net and let somebody else go get it because this is a prime opportunity. You're going to be able to score. It's like stuff like that. I'm like, are you thinking like, are you aware of what's going on? Are you watching the game on the bench for the past couple of minutes? Like that's a critical, um, you know, a critical thing there in the zone that you screwed up. And that's just symbolic of some of the shit that I've seen from him. The turnovers that led to a goal yesterday and the dumb penalties and the stupid hockey plays. And I believe A.V. touched on this today and he said something like, yeah, we're trying to cut down on the turnovers and he's working through it. Like, fuck off working through it. Like, it's been a full year now of him just being a completely worthless fucking forward. You know, when you're playing less than 10 minutes a night but actively hurting your team as much as Abi Kubel is, like, that's a pretty good sign that maybe you shouldn't be in the lineup on a regular basis. And, you know, now that McGowan's here and, and I guess Brown is cleared uh, from the COVID list, so maybe they uh, 
takeover duties on the fourth line from for at least the foreseeable future, and Albiquel becomes a fifteenth guy. Because man, this guy is doing some serious damage to this team. Like he's the only person that is like an active bad guy right now on this roster. I mean, you can argue about Santa and Risto, but that's just more matter of opinion, as Manny alluded to the Twitter beef. But like Albiquel is the one guy right now that is noticeably bad on this team. Yeah, and I mean, again, they're winning, so that kind of stuff kind of gets swept under the rug right now for mm. me. Like, I'm I'm in the honeymoon phase right now with this team. Like, I'm just – it's a yeah. breath of fresh air, and I love what I'm seeing so far. And But the criticisms are there for, for a few players, right? But none more so than Abe Kubel. If we look at Abe Kubel's stats this year, three games played, zero points, two penalty minutes – Minus four. So the minus four leads the the team, by the way. Um, if you look back to that season where Abe Kubel looked like, oh, my God, this guy's going to be a player. Um, it was 1920. Yeah. And he in 36 games, he had eight penalty minutes. And fifth, sorry, no, that's wrong. 19 penalty minutes. I was looking at the playoffs. Huh. 19 penalty minutes, 15 points in 36 games. So he was practically scoring a, a point every, you know, two games, just over every two games. He's not really driving anything offensively. Um, he's he's making poor decisions out there. And for me, it looks like he's kind of just in limbo right now where is he trying to be the, you know, agitator kind of player on the fourth line or is he trying to be a guy that's supposed to be you know offensive minded and try to get some you know create some chances and opportunities is he trying to be a power forward like what is he trying to be out there right now he's just taking dumb penalties which is a carryover from the preseason and it's almost like he doesn't know when to you know hit the gas pedal and initiate the physicality and he just seems like he's just doing it for the sake of doing it. And he's getting into trouble on the ice. Um, and, and as a result, he's putting his team, you know, on the penalty kill and, and, and sort of on the back foot. I don't really know what to make of the guy other, and how to fix it. But I have to think that as of right now, I mean, you know, McEwen, you didn't really notice too much of him against Boston, but I, I think Anthony uh, DeMarco hit it right. Like he's making over a million bucks and the team is really, you know, up against the cap. They got to figure out what to do with this guy sooner rather than later and, and get this guy, uh, you know, a clear directive of, of what to do on the ice. Cause he looks lost right now. Mm -hmm. I think there's three things that come to mind when I look at, at Ob Kubel in terms of stuff that I think he does well or can do well. One is physicality. Two is tenacity. He seems, he seemed to have been very good al along the boards one-on-ones he was always good at and I think the guy does have a really good shot yeah the problem is is that I don't necessarily know if he really like embraces that fourth line role he may like he may be too skilled for a fourth line so to speak where he's trying to maybe do things more offensively and doesn't really know when to engage in the physicality so he's doing it in a way that causes penalties his role is as you guys mentioned it's it's kind of confusing because he's not he doesn't seem like he's doing the little things which fourth liners are supposed to do you're not really supposed to notice them except as being tenacious four checkers and that's it um and when you're making you know these mistakes in a variety of areas that's really taking yourself out of the lineup i mean obviously it's only been a couple of games but we've noticed a lot of things that he's done in a short period of time here and now i'm not willing to write him off yet but his leash is very, very short with me. You know, I'm going to give him probably another few weeks here, end of October, maybe into November. But, you know, if he, if he keeps doing these things, and they're costing the team, and they really are, you're going to have to pull him out for a while because, you know, you can't have a weak link like that when everybody else is moving in the right direction. I don't even know what changed. You know, he was like your ideal bottom six winger there in 1920. He was fast. He had a hell of a shot, as Mike alluded mm -hmm. to, and, and kind of knew when to be physical and do it properly. And then last year, I mean, it's just reckless, reckless play, dumb things. Like, he's trying too hard, maybe, or he's not trying enough, or whatever it is. Like, whatever he did in 1920 to get that play, just, we haven't seen it since. 
And I don't know if we're ever going to see it again at this rate, which is, which is too bad because he was a guy that, I mean, he could have been a, a nice little piece there in your bottom six to have a guy who has the speed and the shot but can also, you know, handle himself physically. And now we just have a guy that's a menace to society out there. Yeah. You know, with with the you know <coughs> bad physical plays and the horrible turnovers. So I don't know. That'll be an interesting one to watch over the next little while here. But now that you got you know McAllen and, yeah. and the other guy Patrick Brown on the uh, the roster, you know I assume his leash yeah. will be fairly short now. And this is a good thing too with him because he's only I mean he only has one year left on his deal here at like, at like one million. So he's yeah. not killing you from a salary standpoint. This is what you want when you have guys that are making mistakes and that are potentially problematic long-term. You don't want to be obligated to hold on to them for many years, which the Flyers have had a lot of problems with over the past regime or so. And having a guy like Ob Kubel making problems you know, for the team only on one year here, I'm not that upset about it because they can get out of it really easy um, and replace him with somebody else that can do that job better. So you know, if we're talking about him as a fourth liner you know, and drilling down on that, um, that's not the biggest fish in the sea here. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> the only other thing, though, I would add to that, though, you guys are to- all totally like right, but the big criticism of this roster before the season was, is this team going to be physical enough when the postseason starts? When you have to get in there against the New York Islanders and get into a slugfest where they are going to try to beat you, not only on the scoreboard, but they're going to make you earn every inch of ice out there. Mm-hmm. That's where a guy like Abe Kubel should be, you know, able to be in the lineup and, and be productive and, and do his thing. And it's just right now, I don't think he knows exactly what he needs to do. Is it supposed to be a fourth line agitator? Like, is he supposed to try to, you know, be more offensive and use that great shot as you alluded to, Mike? I think that, you know, bringing in guys like McCowan and, uh, you know, once Sam Moran comes back and, and, and things like that, I think this, the stuff, the physical aspect for Abe Kubel should be tampered down a bit. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think he needs to just get back to, you know, skating, finishing his checks, forechecking, trying to create turnovers. And just focus on that rather than trying to, it looks like he's trying to do just a little bit of everything. And I think he needs to just really simplify his game. When when you look at the fourth line of the Islanders, the reason they're so successful is just because that's all they do. They mm-hmm. skate hard. They forecheck you to death. And you know what? If they can create a chance, great. A guy like Sezikis will, will make you pay and he'll get a couple of goals here and there. And he's just so productive and good at what he does. I think Abe Kubel needs to kind of just keep it simple like just go in there for check try to make something happen but don't go out of your way to you know start using the physical stuff try just using your stick actively you know keep it away from the you know opposing players feet just try to make a turnover and make something happen put your teammates in a good good spot a good position to do something there's good physicality and there's bad physicality there's going out there and grinding down your opponent as a fourth liner, and then there's going out there and cheap-shotting them into the end boards, you know. And that's kind of the difference between Abi Kubel right now, which is just a hot fucking mess, versus, you know, a Casey Zizekas or, or Zach McAllen, you know, somebody like that who can kind of hold down the fort and more of a physical edge, but isn't necessarily playing to kill. So that's the, uh, that's the, the big difference right now. Speaking of uh, physicality, um, have you guys noticed Oscar Lindblom this season? I've He's been very interesting to me because I haven't noticed him all that much, but he's kind of quietly mauling people behind the play. Mm-hmm. And I've loved seeing it. Like, like, I've watched a couple of these games here, and, you know, it's a play on the boards or something, and it's a different player on the flyers, and you know, with a puck battle. And then the camera, you know, like it pans away, but a split second is like Oscar Lindblom and another guy, like going down to the ice or something. And I'm like, whoa, what the hell is going on back there? And you don't see it because it's all on TV. So you're not, you know, getting that full camera shot. But, but the guy I think has done fairly well in terms of amping up the physical game which kind of was his game a bit before his diagnosis and recovery period and um, I think there is some legitimacy to him you know getting back to that style here because I've seen it behind the play I'm like yeah this is awesome hey he's not getting called for it so you know keep it up yeah he's a guy that you know when when he's 
you know, a lot of people expected him to bounce back to his, you know, his, his diagnosis season when he had, you know, uh, was a goal scorer, 11 goals in 15 games, whatever the fuck it was. And I don't think that's him. I don't think he's a true goal scorer. I think he can score when given the opportunity, when set up to. He's kind of like the Michael Roffle of the team, the new Switchblade. Switchblade, Switch Army Knife, whatever. But uh, <laughs> Sealer's a Switchblade. Same yeah. thing. <laughs> but uh, I completely lost my train of thought. Uh, uh, yeah, but his overall, uh, his overall game, like he does bring a lot to the table. And we saw this a lot last year. He was the one guy that wasn't afraid to kind of get up and be physical and kind of handle himself. And you're noticed it a little less this year because you have other guys that are handling the physical side. And there's more to talk about than, you know, Lindblom getting in these scrums, but he's definitely not afraid to get involved with that stuff. And now that he's, you know, healthy and, and back to his, you know, pre-cancer, you know, strength tests and whatnot, he may be a little more active in, in that kind of role. So it is good to see. Yeah. The other thing I would say too, and as Mike was describing it, it, it made a lot of sense to me was, we're all looking at the new toys. Like every time Atkinson's out there, I'm looking for Atkinson. Like I want to yeah. see him with the puck. Yeah. You know, when we when we see like Ristolainen out there, we're kind of zeroing in and, and focusing. When we see Yandel out there, we're focusing. And really, I got to say, like I'm not paying over, you know, too much attention to JVR. But he's quietly like he hasn't been, you know, making any glaring errors or anything. He's been he's been solid along the boards. And Lindblom, I, th I think, is the same thing. Like, I haven't really been noticing him because I'm just so focused on, you know, Derek Broussard and Atkinson and seeing all the new toys and seeing how they're playing with each other. And these other guys are kind of falling by the wayside in terms of my attention at the beginning here. And I think that's more of a, yeah, I'm comfortable and I kind of know what we've got in those guys. I just want to see more of the new guys and, and see what they're bringing. But I think it's important. Yeah, like it's good that you're seeing that uh, Lindblom is doing the extracurricular activities, yeah. you know, behind the play and standing up for himself. I think that's a good sign for his uh, return to uh, what he was before uh, the Ewing sarcoma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you look at this roster, you know, they have so many more players now that – I would describe as having a physical edge. You know, I'm going, like, even a guy like Oscar Lindblom, I think, does have a physical edge. Ob Kubel, yes. Farabee plays with intensity, might not fight all the time, but I describe him as fairly physical. Uh, Broussard, not a fighter, but this guy has been absolutely tenacious along the boards. At 34 yeah. years old, this guy is an effort machine. Um, obviously, a guy like Zach McEwen is very physical. Nate Thompson, very physical. Uh, Ristolainen, physical. Um, even a guy like Ryan Ellis, not the biggest guy, but physical. So you've got these guys in your lineup, like all of a sudden you have a dimension that has not existed on this team for years. And you can see it's already making a difference in terms of watchability, the team's ability to win games, the whole vibe of the team, the interest in the team. Uh, so it's, it's just awesome to see. So I don't know why I'm so fucking positive. <laughs> So one other thing I wanted to touch on here, considering we have his close personal friend Manny and his number one fan Mike, uh, Jachobe, uh and oh. his new replacement Cam Atkinson and kind of the differences between these two players. Atkinson, mm. three goals, four points in three games, plus seven. You know, has been just a 23 shooting percentage right now. Jesus. And uh, just doing a lot of the right things that we have not seen from... Jake Voracek ever and I know people are treating it as taboo on Twitter to talk shit on Jake Voracek but I mean the differences between these two players is just astounding at this point yeah they are are completely different styles there's there's been so many times even just through three games where I'm watching Cam Atkinson go up to the net and actually take a shot rather than skate in circles for yeah. another 30 seconds and pass it off somewhere. I'm like, and there's been times with a lot of Atkinson's goals where you're like, if that was Jake Voracek, there's no way they score there. Yep. He would never try to take it to the net. He would never try to shoot that puck. And it's like, if that stuff doesn't happen all of a sudden, instead of the flyers, you know, beating the Bruins six to three, well, I was really five to three with the empty netter, but all of a sudden that game's probably three all and maybe Boston wins it in overtime or something. It's a lot closer. Maybe instead of, you know, uh, getting up on Seattle by so much, it's, 
it's only maybe, I don't know, like two to one or three to one or something. And Seattle has a chance to come back, uh, you know, or even the Vancouver game. That's something where you don't get a point out of it. It's just that that difference of mentality is so evident when you compare those players. And it's also rubbing off on some other guys, too, because I've seen, you know, and it's going to take some time, but I've seen the team generally have more of an offensive shoot-first mentality rather than just pass-pass tic-tac-toe plays, which they've done for so many years. So maybe Atkinson, being a new leader in the locker room, is having an impact there as well. The fab line they're calling in, Atkinson, Ferby, and uh, Broussard. I mean, that's been a hell of a line. And Atkinson shooting the puck, he's clearly having a positive effect on Joel Farabee, who continues his, you know, offensive rise. And Broussard has been, you know, a hell of an addition to this roster, um, considering he was, you know, a late uh, summer uh, ad. But uh, overall, I mean, Atkinson, he's just, he's shooting the puck. You know, he's active, he's in the offense, he's going towards the net, he's pl- crashing the net. A couple times he's went in there and, and slid into the post and back into the... Uh, you know, the wall there. And it's just, that guy is just, it's such a goddamn breath of fresh air, you know, that we haven't had. When was the last time you know, Jake Voracek would actively take shots? You know, these people are two on ones. There have been multiple two on ones this year where they're not passing, they're shooting. And it's like, that's all I ever wanted out of this team, you know, was to shoot the goddamn puck a little more and getting Jake Voracek off and. You know, not just the player, but whatever the hell he was whispering into the ear of some of these younger guys. Hey, pass the puck to me. You know, whatever it is, like, it's gone. And now you have Atkinson who's taken the, 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 the shots and everybody else is just kind of continuing that offense. Like, it's no surprise they have so many goals right now. Because you have guys like Atkinson who are leading the way and are a big positive influence to light the offense. You know? It's just, it's such a night and day addition here. And goddamn, it's great! <laughs> Hang on, guys. Ixnay on the Acob Oracek A. Because he might be <laughs> listening to our podcast. Yeah, I heard. Uh, yeah. Guess, guess who tweeted me on uh, on Twitter, Mike? Who's that? At Jachobi. What? Well, he's You been, were in yeah, Columbus, so you obviously you obviously yeah. missed everything. I missed it. Yeah, what happened with that? <laughs> did he hunt you down was he stalking you <laughs> no yeah i mean i was out i was out you well know, before uh, we, before I'll... i get into that we'll just get into the the the, the atkinson thing mm-hmm. yeah the atkinson thing is uh is is interesting because i remember when they made that deal I said everybody in Philly's gonna love Cam Atkinson because he's just the the engine that doesn't quit. Like he's the motor that just doesn't stop. And if you really look at, you know, Joel Farabee, if you want a winger for him to emulate, would it rather be Cam Atkinson or Jacob Voracek? Oh, no question. Any winger. <laughs> and that's my point. And it's it's not even a personal thing with Jake. So Jake, if you're listening. Because you did mention uh, that, you know, that, you know, I'm negative on the pod. So, you know, maybe you listen. I don't know. But if you're listening right now, um, it's never a personal thing. Like it was always about, listen, Jake Voracek, I'll start with a, with a compliment. Columbus is doing good right now. They're surprising everybody. They're winning some games in OT. And you know what? Jake, by all accounts, is playing fine. He's doing his job over there in, in Columbus, feeding Patrick Lyonet. Perfect. My thing with Jake is it was, you know, he did some good things here in, you know, in Philly within the first couple of years. And I did like him. And just as time went on, it just seemed like he just didn't care as much. He didn't put in the effort as consistently as you wanted to. And you did see some great passes here and there and some really great, you know, assists and plays that were really brilliant. But overall, they were overshadowed a little bit for my taste in terms of how he, you know, his effort level and some of the things that he would say off the ice and all that. And I know that people on Twitter, like Jason Martinez, has, has, has said, like, Jake Vorchek is a legit good guy. Like, he, he does things in the community. He does raise money and awareness for things. He gives back to, to you know, to hospitals and things like that. I don't know what the stuff that he does, but apparently he does. And that's good. Good for Jake. So I'll start positive. 
But um, I was in a bit of um, a discussion with uh, no divots uh, on Twitter. Wait, um, wait, hasn't Jake blocked you, Manny? Or you're still unblocked? I don't know how to check. But I mean, we got into a little oh, bit of a discussion. If you can see him on Twitter, you're. Uh... If you can see him, then you're not blocked. Yeah. Okay, that's great. I just wanted to make sure I was clear on that. Okay. Uh, okay. So, yes. so, 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 uh, no divots uh, retweeted um, an image, and it says Wayne Gretzky scored his 1,000th career NHL point at age 23. Think about that for a minute. And no divots uh, said in his tweet. I'm just glad I'm getting to watch better players today. So I responded to no divots and tongue in cheek. I said, I know, right? Like Gretzky's amazing. And then I wrote, I mean, think about it. We watched Jake Voracek. And you so, just wrote Jake Voracek, not at Jachobi. Yes, which I, I wrote say. Jake yeah, Voracek. Yeah. Okay, got and, it. And minutes later, I've, I've, like, I'm doing work on, at home and like my phone's buzzing like repeatedly and I'm like what the hell is going on like I'm trying to do some work here at home and I look and it says Jacob Voracek and I'm like that's not the real Jake Voracek and I'm looking and it says at Jachobi and I'm sitting there going like what Jake Voracek actually like yes he's like reading my tweets like he he searched searched for his name he searched for himself fucking nuts so so he wrote back I wasn't that bad no in like a playful way. And I've seen him do this a couple of times in the off season where somebody mentioned Jake Voracek and his play. And Jake basically tweeted back like, Oh, come on. I wasn't that bad. Was I like, kind of like being like that. And I think part of it is it's him using his um, athletic celebrity to kind of get people to backtrack and do whatever. And my tweet, I mean, we watched Jake Voracek. I don't think I was that bad. Like, really? No. Oh, my God, no. But um, other people started tweeting him right away going, we love you, Jake. Flyers fans are terrible because they're going to miss you. They they, they, they know what terrible. they're missing. And, you know, I, I tweeted back a picture of uh, the guy from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm going, Eh, <laughs> like this, like, yeah, little yes, a little no. Jake Voracek, as much as he does things for charity and he's a good guy and this and that, I got to tell you, he attacked me personally after I sent that tweet. And he I don't even think he engaging. He did. And, and I didn't even oh, think it was God. that bad. Like he playfully tweeted you know, I wasn't that bad, was I? And I guess he was expecting me to just, you know, back no, you were great. completely. <laughs> you know, and instead I put the, eh, while well, he decided to get real personal with me. So just to share, um, he wrote back, hang on, I got it up here. Um, he wrote back, I'd probably chirp people on Twitter and podcasts as well if my profile pic looked like yours. So he insulted my looks. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Oh meanwhile, God. meanwhile, have you seen Jake's hair? I mean, seriously? Did they use the man groomer 2.0 on that head of his to get that haircut? But anyways, <laughs> then he and then he continued and he said, your wife probably runs the show at your house. Just what? my so-so guess. And so I, I, I was really? like, yeah, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and so anyways, no divots sent me a, a message. And he went, man, what an asshole. What is he doing? He's attacking you here. And I'm like, dude, we were talking about Wayne Gretzky. Like if he's legit comparing himself to Wayne Gretzky, like he has a severe ego problem. Oh, dude, if, if that's is- the case. And it's no, I'm not trying to be disrespectful here. You can't compare anybody really, except for like Mario Lemieux and like a very small handful of others to Wayne Gretzky. And no offense, but Jachobi isn't on that list. He just that is, that is, that is crazy. Thank you for, for telling me about this interaction. I did not know, as you mentioned, I was uh, away, oddly enough, in Columbus uh, for, a, for a work engagement during. I guess during the time this took place, but I mean, a couple initial thoughts here, Manny. Number one, 
what the fuck is this guy doing engaging on that level with you? Like, I don't know. This is this is one of the highest paid athletes in his sport, and all, and he's searching himself on Twitter and immediately interacting with people on a very very detailed level. Like that's crazy. I honestly, if you reported that tweet over to like the Columbus, you know, like the team, they might reprimand him for that sort of shit, like attacking, like like that sort of commentary, because that's a little bit crossing the line for a player like that. I, that's just absolutely crazy. Um, I hope he's listening and I've got a couple choice words for him that I want to make sure that he understands. It's like, look, Jake, I was a season ticket holder for the entire time that you played for the Flyers. You know, I don't make nearly as much money as you have, but I went to all the games. I saw you play and I didn't appreciate stuff like you telling the fans to shut the fuck up when they told you to shoot. You got to be freaking kidding me that that was in your mindset to do that. I don't care how annoyed you might get, man. But if you're telling me to shut the fuck up, get off of my team. You were a cancer on this team for the entire time you played. You made the locker room a shithole because you just complained to the ref. You were a bad example the whole time. You never won shit. You only made one fucking all-star team and you make over $8 million. Like, I was so happy that you left this damn team. In fact, we did a eulogy on this very podcast just for you because you're so fucking important. You know, Jake, I also remember about eight years ago, you go into Buffalo Billiards Bar in Old City to watch Eagles games. You're... And you're wearing fucking Adidas sandals and Umbro shorts, looking like fucking Napoleon Dynamite eating chicken wings, you stupid shit. So you know what? Fuck you. You're an asshole. I'm glad you're banished to Columbus, and you're going <laughs> to suck forever. So fuck <laughs> off, Jake. Wow. That's also defensive Manny here, too. I just can't believe this happened. I just cannot believe oh, yeah. it happened. that the engagement was there. So... Wow, that just really blew my blood. I was not expecting that. Um, I just man. can't believe he got personal. Like yeah. he went, I, like, I was talking about his, his hockey play and it was like, he went after my looks. Then he insulted my wife. And then I was, I was fuming and I was like, I'm like, but I got to be careful what I say on Twitter because, you know, I could get reprimanded or fired, you know, sure. at my job. So then I just said, you know what? He insulted my wife. So I just wrote back like, you know, oh, so you're against strong women? Like strong women are actually a good thing. And I was hoping that he was going to say something back because then I turn it on him as, oh, you're anti-woman or you're this or, you know, what are you in the Taliban or something? I would have gone, <laughs> gone after him. Right. But then he just said like, oh, yeah, well, OK, just have a good night. And that's kind of how it ended. So that was the the Jachobi affair. Oh my gosh! Wow. And are you blocked yet? I don't know. I don't think so. Well, look him up. I don't, I don't know how to check. If you can still see his tweets, you are not blocked. Yeah, like it would say you can't see it, and or you've been. I forget exactly what it says, but yeah, if you can still see his tweets. But uh, I don't follow him. Still, I don't think it matters. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Jachobi. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm definitely blocked. And I never, you know, I've been blocked for years, even before I started yeah, really. Better um, part of a decade now. <laughs> yeah. Jachobi. Yeah. Let's see where he is. I had to pull it up on the National Podcast Network one because I'm not blocked on that one. So I had to make sure the interaction was real. And it is true. Manny and Vorchek yeah. had a feud. Wow. That's great. I just can't believe, you know, and like in all seriousness, yeah, that was an interesting little rant that I had too. But in all seriousness, I just can't. You know, from a more, I guess, level-headed standpoint, I just can't imagine if you're a professional athlete, you know, searching your name on Twitter and then immediately needling in and engaging on that level. Like, aren't you told by your advisors, by the team, the coaches and stuff that, look, leave all the social media there. You're here. You're here to win games and play hockey and be a good teammate. I'm sure there is enough to do when it comes to that stuff. We're going to just sit there, like, furiously checking your name on Twitter to see what people are saying. But, like, that in and of itself represents a problem that you have that, like, maybe, like, you shouldn't be the one in the locker room that's telling other people what to do. Because you know what I think he did, too? He told Scott Lawton to do the same shit. Because Scott Lawton, out of nowhere, had blocked me a couple years as well. And I never mentioned Scott Lawton on anything. I just think he just saw me, you know, being critical of the Flyers and was like, ah, oh, that guy, you know, uh, Jake said we should just block all these people because they're assholes. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm speculating, obviously. But, like, 
it's just it's just odd to me. And, and I do think he was a bad influence on players. And and I think we're already seeing the benefits of him not being there. If he spent less time well, on Twitter and more time practicing, maybe we wouldn't have to complain as much. He would have been a better well, hockey player. Well, it's official. I'm not blocked because I could see all of his stuff. Wow. You're so one maybe of the few. He liked, maybe yeah. he liked it. On a small, actually, you know what? Looking through his tweets, yeah. uh, he liked uh, cr- somebody wrote Cronwall hit on Voracek, a gif. And he's like, that's awesome. Okay. But- then he wrote to some, Then he wrote to somebody, deadhead, let's meet face to face one day. Oh, some Reddit beef he had wow. or something. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It sounds like he wants to get into a fight with somebody. Oh, my gosh. Uh, what do you think he was doing last year in the locker room? He didn't even look at me because he knew I was going to snap. Trust me, I'd love it face-to-face. What? And apparently he's talking something about Vino there. Because so, so, somebody mentioned Vino, oh, yeah. and that's what he said. Um, better wow. than the five, five cent bot. Somebody wrote Voracek had his best year in a Flyers uniform last year, and he is still way overpaid. And he has a five cent head. And then he wrote back, <laughs> better than a five cent body like yours. Like he's just getting into altercations on Twitter. Like my God, he should join Reddit. He would be much better on Flyers Reddit than on Flyers Twitter. You can't let this stuff get to you if you're an athlete like that. Like you just. Like you just can't do it. You can have an account for you know, like you know, like PR purposes, but this level of like At this least stuff have bothers. a burner account or something. Fuck. Yeah, your this official extent <laughs> that this is influencing him. Like you can't tell me it doesn't. Like if you're sitting there and and searching your name and interacting like this, like you got you got some problems, man. <laughs> like, be careful if you go to that park uh, in Columbus the next time you go. If you see like bushes shaking, he's looking. Might be Jake. Yeah. Jake might be there. He might be what? following you. The Why interesting gonna... thing thing though was that he said, "Yeah, well, if I talked on Twitter and on your podcast, it made it sound like he kind of listened to us." Yeah, if, if he wants he, to come I, on, maybe. we'll have him on. We'll have a nice friendly <laughs> I, conversation with Jake. Morgan. I don't know. After I just kind of ranted him out, if he listens to that, but still, it's like you know what. I don't take any of that shit back, man. Like, that's the image that you put on me as a season ticket holder. So, like, I'm sorry, but that's the way that you're viewed. Like, I'm pretty objective about this. I invested a lot of money into watching you, and that's the way I feel, man. So, fucking good riddance. And you know what? I'm coming out to Columbus at some point this year, and I'm going to boo the shit out of you. So, (laughs) there's that. (laughs) And that was the closing remarks. Excellent job, counselor. (laughs) Damn, yeah. Case closed, Jachobi. Yeah, I just don't even have you pronounce it like that. (laughs) I don't know. The Jachobi affair. It sounds like Chode or something. Jachode affair. The Chode affair. Jake Voracek's Chode. (laughs) (sighs) Well, that seems like a good natural stopping point for this one. Uh,. Got uh, <laughs> plenty of uh, stuff coming up, everyone. Uh, Sunday, Noeli Pod. Monday, Scott Powers is on the show. Chicago Blackhawks. We're going to talk about their interesting start to the season, uh, which will be interesting. And then uh, schedule picks up uh, pretty much as usual next week. Um, plenty of stuff on the website. Brotherly Puck Weekly back. Two and a half year hiatus has come to an end. It is back. The newsletter is back. Uh, X-Flyer of the Week, new series as well. You can check that out. Manny's uh, CHL Prospect Report and about, I don't know, half a dozen other things on the website this week. It was a busy week on BrotherlyPuck.com. So check all that out. At Dan the Flyer Fan, at BrotherlyPuck, at Brotherly underscore pod, and at Heart Countdown underscore. If you want to count down, Carter Hearts wins with me. Hopefully they'll rack up another one tomorrow. And if you... And if you want to count down uh, Jake Voracek's angriest tweets, uh, you could uh, tweet me at, at Manny Benavides. Uh, Jake, feel free to reach out again if you want to clarify, uh, you know, let's not get personal with each other. Let's just keep it professional. Um, otherwise, I'll uh, we'll have to contact my lawyer. But anyways, it is what it is. Uh, at Manny Benavides, at Brotherly Puck, at Brotherly underscore pod. Prospect report is up, CHL uh, Prospects. Get all the best uh, highlights and analysis of each and every one of their games uh, on brotherlypuck.com. And check out all the new shows, Sisterly Pod. I can't wait to check that one out uh, after we get off the air here today. Mike. 
Ah, yes, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at flyer underscore af. Uh, I've been very active on doing some live tweets on on the Flyers games, pointing out some interesting things going on on the ice. Always gets a lot of traction, so look forward to seeing you there. And as always, guys, fantastic time this evening. All right, everybody. Until next time, goodbye and good nights. <laughs>